0: here, old man! Welcome to the Mouthpiece Part 2, Episode 3. Today, I don't know what the fuck we're going to talk about, but we're going to figure it out. And after we're done, we're going to have a special interview with Party Poker Ambassador Mike Sexton. Fast forward to the Borgata Poker Open. Uh, that was a pretty devastating tournament for me. I mean, Eugene Todd picked up Ace King against Aces early at the final table. And against Herolibus, after the hand, he had a $25,000 chip left. We were playing like 40000 80000 I had $2.9 million uh, after... Well, I just won that pot. I moved to third in chips. It was uh, pretty uh, depressing. I mean, Roy Winston started the the tournament with the chip lead. Uh, first place was $1.5 million. Uh, so this is back kind of in the heyday of poker. So this is a big tournament. After uh, Eugene Todd, he took that $25,000 chip and somehow got all in, all in, all in, and won all three. Next thing you know, he had 550,000. I think we're up at, the, matter of fact, we were, we were at 50 and 100,000 at the time. Uh, just to give you an idea how shallow kind of the chips used to be back then. Uh, the chip leader had 6 million, I had 2.9, which is what, 29 big blinds. We're still playing six handed. So, you know, that's just how it was back then. You didn't just go to a WPT final table with 150 big blinds like you do now. So uh, every, when people talk about all the chips now, it's like, you, you guys don't understand that chip leaders would have 50 big blinds and everybody else was maneuvering 20 big blind stacks. So that's just how it used to be. Uh, hand came up, uh, Roy Winston raised under the gun. I flatted on the button with Ace Queen. The flop came down Ace Queen f- Three with two diamonds. Um, Roy Winston checked to me, and he had opened for like two thirty, and on a, I bet like half pot for two hundred thousand. He makes it a one point two million. I really had to really study here because um, he did raise under the gun. Um, you gotta remember this is 2007, 2008. This is right when people are starting to learn how to play poker. But, you know, uh, guy raised under the gun and now he's check raising a mil- a 5X on the flop. Uh, I, I'm just like, wow, I mean, does he have aces? Does he have queens? Three queens? Am I coolered here? Uh, I thought the big race to me seemed like more of like a ace something of diamonds. It's just what it felt like. I wasn't quite sure, but I just just couldn't fold top two on an Ace Queen three board. Uh, I move in for the two point nine million. He calls and this is a massive pot. This is a six million chip pot. I think there's only about fifteen million in play, and he turns over. A seven of diamonds. Lo and behold, diamond on the turn, diamond on the river, and I end up finishing sixth and let Eugene Todd move up and pick up an extra seventy thousand. Uh that was pretty devastating. I don't I talked to Roy Winston many a times about this, like why he would want to play a big pot with me when he knows that I'm you know, and his answer was you were the only one I was afraid of at the table, and I wanted to gamble to see if I can knock you out. Okay, fair deal, I guess. The, the sick part about this hand is when you look at the, you can all go back to YouTube and look at the TV coverage of the hand that I went broke here where he hits the diamond. But one guy, I think it was Herolibus who folded a four or five of diamonds pre-flop, and eugene folded the nine ten of diamonds so both people folded two diamonds so there was only five outs and two of them (laughs) hit the board four diamonds still at the board so it was even worse beat than than it even sounded like that was my most disappointing five final table i ever played at the world poker tour uh ended up getting two hundred seventy one thousand for that fast forward to um the Fox Tournament in 2008-2009. It's the one Jonathan Little won. I remember this one pretty well because I went to the final table with short stack 20 big blinds, 871,000, but 20 big blinds for me is a lot. I mean, to other people it's not, but to me it's more than enough. So um, I had made a huge mistake earlier when we were 10-handed in the write ups I was trying to to find the exact write up but <laughs> the World Poker Tour is missing 30 hands and during those 30 hands was I'll never forget the hand it was guy raised I uh, re-raised him and he moved in I had two tens and normally I never re-raise with two tens I just flat um, but I re-raised him big I put myself in a spot where I had to call he ended up having two kings. So that's what crippled me going to the final table. I actually had 1.9 million 10-handed and ended up getting six-handed with 871, but it was uh, what they call, was known as a Mike Madison blow-up. I mean, it was a huge mistake on my part. I don't even know what went through my head of why I re-raised and why I called. And that one, that one was on me. Um, when uh, that was the only one I could say was really on me uh, at the World Poker Tour Final Tables. So fast forward to the December, the, the Brunson Five Diamond in 08, 09. This was actually the last Five Diamond I had played up until two years ago. I had not played one since. But uh, I finished ninth for 100000 but I'm pretty sure it was uh, Ace King against my Ace Queen of Spades, and I didn't. I was kind of short. I had about 20 bigs. I end up losing that there. I was actually pretty happy to get ninth for 100,000. I, I just never had any traction. I never had had any chips in that tournament at all. Chino Reem ended up winning that tournament for one point five million. Uh, it was disappointing, you know. I had a shot, but I just never had traction in that tournament. So, uh, again, that was uh, a pretty pretty happy to get ninth in that tournament uh, at the World Poker Tour. Uh, let's fast forward to two thousand eleven. This was um, the Shooting Stars, uh, in which I finished third for. 370,000 now that was a tournament where one of the very few we started six-handed where the blinds were 10 and 20,000 and i had over 2 million of chips and everybody had a lot of chips so i was starting out with over 100 big blinds at a, a wpt final table i I like my chances. It was it was a tough final table. I mean, uh, King Vivek was there. Mike Sexton was there. Alan Sternberg was there. He ended up winning it. A guy named Stephen Kelly, super aggressive, got second. Uh, King Vivek got fourth. Uh, Sexton, sixth, and a guy named Casey McCarroll, fifth. I'll never forget this final table because early in the final table, I, Mike was real short. And he, uh, I raised with like king jack suited. He moved in. I mean, it was for like two hundred, like thousand or more. It was like maybe fifteen bigs more. I called the king queen. I hit a jack and busted Mike. And I really thought after that it was going to be my day because there was five of us left that were playing really really deep. And if everybody remembers, 2010, 2011, that was when everybody thought the way to play deep stack poker was race, three bet, four bet, race, three bet, four bet. And at every hand I watched, it was Alan Race, King Vivek, three bet, Stephen Kelly, four bet. And I would like look at Jack Deuce every hand. And I'll never remember this as like, I hadn't played a hand forever. I raised with ace, 10. Alan Sternberg called. I thought he had a small pair. Came like king, king, seven. I bet the flop he called. Turn card came like a stiff. I checked. He bet about a third pot, and I check raised him pot on the flop with ace. I just knew he had a small pair. And then he called me, and then the next hand I, I bet almost pot again and he goes mike i i really think you're bluffing which is i must have gave something away i i, I don't know i never we've talked a lot but i never talked about that hand uh, you guys could look it up uh, at the final table and he goes but i don't i you might be bluffing with and have me beat and and i'm like and he ends up calling me at two fours and uh, it was really shocking to me on that call. I mean, like I hadn't played a hand in I don't even know how many orbits—40 hands, maybe. So, me did not play a hand of 40 hands. Raise. He had the small pair. He had two. Like I said, I bet the flop. He called. I check raise him on the turn. He calls, and I bet big on the river, and he calls. And you know, kudo. I never knock anybody who makes great calls. Never. You know, people like, "How do you call me there?" How do you listen? When people make great calls, uh, you you give them credit. They pick up. I obviously gave something away. Uh, It it, to this this day it it haunts me a lot. So that could have kind of took my chip position away, even though it was always raised, three bet, four bet, and I never could play a hand. I, you know, it was. We started off with the blinds ten and twenty thousand. And now we're up to maybe 20, 40,000, and I was still sitting on like over 2 million. So I had like what, 50, 60 big blinds. So I was in no rush to, you know, get involved with these guys. But it kind of hurt after that hand, and I blopped off a lot of chips. But they consistently, after that hand, I think I had 800,000 left. They cause they keep going at it. Raise three bit, four bit. Raise three bit, four bit. I ended up getting down to about four hundred thousand. King Vivic uh, had about four point nine million. The other guy had about five million. The other guy had about six million, and we were four handed at the time when the other guy had gone broke. I forgot how he went broke. I end up open shoving about three hands, and now. I was back up to like eight hundred thousand. Meanwhile, them three just kept going at it, and I never was able to pick up a hand. So it's like, you know, hundred thousand around. They're going to war. To make a long story short, uh, King Vivek found a way to get his money in. I forgot what the hand was, but pretty pretty dead against Alan Sternberg, and he ends up going out. And now we're three-handed. And I thought it was just ironic that i had played like i had one playable hand in six hours literally if you go look at the tape of the bay 101 2011 final table i literally had one playable hand in six hours and it was raised three bet four bet every single time to these guys and i was just like praying to pick up any ace 10 and just five bet shove these guys because they never had shit But I never even picked up two picture cards. It was pretty amazing. So now we're up to uh, 40, 80,000. We're playing three handed and uh, my image is so tight because I I never had a playable hand. And Alan Sternberg would raise the button and now I decided to switch gears and I was just moving all in dark. Pretend to look at my hand, but dark. And then he'd raise it to like 200, I had moved all in. I would never I never had a playable hand and then small blind they raise I fold Alan Sternberg raised the button again 225 all in right Alan Sternberg raised the button again uh, the blinds had gone up 15-100 to like 275 all in all in all in and and now I'm just like like I've been super hyper aggressive mode I flipped the gear from super nitty to super aggro because like and they have to think I have a hand because I, I, I didn't literally play a hand for six hours. So I had um, built my stack up to two million uh, and we're playing uh, 50 and 100. So I'm up to 20 big blinds. That Alan Sternberg raised. I moved in again. This time I had seven soft suit, And uh, this is like sixth time in a row I moved in and i guess alan got sick of me moving in on him when he opened and he decided to take a stand with king queen It was pretty interesting the flop came uh a queen a deuce with two diamonds come another diamond on the turn and i had the seven of diamonds he had no diamond so i could have won with a deuce seven or a queen which would have got me to four million and put me like dead even with everybody, three handed in chips, and I break the river and I ended up going out third. But I was really proud of myself for that third place finish at the Bay 101. Because if you guys all go and look at the final table of the Bay 101 Shooting Stars, I never I never had a chance. I mean, I, I've never been that card dead in any tournament in my life. I never saw a pair I never saw two picture cards. I never saw an ace. I never saw anything. And if you watch how crazy they all played, you'd be like, I was in a perfect position. All I had to do was just pick up anything. Uh, and I was 100 big blinds deep, and I just never never was able to. But to get third for uh, 370000 was, was that was pretty good. You know, that was pretty much my history of World Poker Tour runs up until the... Uh, WBT uh, a month ago the LAPC where I finished twenty seventh a, a very disappointing twenty seventh for thirty one thousand I started the day with thirty five people left I was fifteenth in chips I have no problem telling people you know I, I I've been really hurting for money since my injury um, it just destroyed my life so there's really no uh, there's no other way to, way to look at it it's uh, I was just I was zoned in, I was playing great and um you know, I told myself, you know, if, and I won a satellite for a thousand in this tournament, so started the day fifteenth in chips and hell if I would have finished fifteenth, you know, it'd have been 52000 and 52000 uh, you know, it's a it's a good chunk of change to get me back on my feet. With fifty seven big blinds starting the day at two hour levels I I had way bigger plans than 15th. I I was 100% convinced the worst I was going to finish would be like the final table, which, uh, pays a hundred thousand and just that, that would have got me on my feet. Unfortunately, um, I had played one hand in two hours. We were, like I said, we were so deep. There was just no reason for me to even get involved with any hands. I had one of the chip leaders to my right, uh, Andre Zachinko, the Russian. Uh, he was to my right and I had David Baker to my left, uh, who ended up winning the tournament and congratulations to David. I mean, it just goes to show you old school people can still win. David plays very little, no limit tournaments. Um, he plays pretty much a lot like I do by feel pretty, pretty tight, but he, you know, he picks a spots and, um, See David win really meant a lot. I was really happy to see David win that tournament. But um, uh, Zichinkov raised it. I re-raised. He made it 35000 I re-raised him to 138000 with three twelve behind. He called. And uh, at this point, I'm thinking he has uh, nines or tens, maybe ace-queen. I watched him call a re-raise with ace-queen already three times. So it's very easy, yes, ace-queen. The flop came down uh, three, four, five with two clubs. I had ace-king, ace of clubs. He checks, I bet 135, and he moves me all in. And uh, he, had, he started the game with like 1.8 million. Uh, so I went in a tank for like three minutes. I used all my time banks. And I'm like, well, I mean, uh, I just have to call here. I mean, I got to figure an ace a king, or two running clubs are good, or a deuce. Because the fact that I bet the flop, I was there was I was priced in the call. There was six hundred thousand out there. I had like one ninety left, and I had to figure I had ten outs. I had to figure I had a uh, four deuces, three aces, three kings. And uh, I could hit running clubs, too. So I called, and somehow, some way, he has pocket fours and flopped a set. Now, calling 135,000 re-raise with two fours out of position with a guy 300,000 behind is absolute, like, suicide. I mean, a set was never in my mind. There's, like, I talked to, like, 20 different people. It was, like, it's impossible he can have a set there. It's just he can't. Because the stack size is just, he can't be calling that kind of raise out of position against a guy who's played one hand in three hours and or two hours, and they were it was pocket kings. So my 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 range is pretty polarized. You know, it's a big pair and or or ace king. I mean, it's like it's one of three hands. Or, you know, it's jacks, queens, kings, aces. And I don't even think I'd re-raise them with jacks. I probably would have just flatted. When he showed a set of fours i'm like you gotta be kidding me you know like how could he have a set of four so i was hoping a club came on the turn to give me some more outs but of course a brick came on the turn now i'm dead to a deuce i, I watch people two out the river like all the time let alone four outs but of course it didn't come to me i end up getting 27th and that was very disappointing i mean i probably i'd have to say um the second most disappointed I'd ever been in a world poker tour event you know but they were all saying uh, oh you haven't cashed since 2011 i'm like well i've only played 12 events since 2011 so uh it's not like i uh i hadn't cashed that i didn't play that many uh there was a lot of them i had a chance to cash uh that i didn't uh, there was uh two years ago the wpt5 diamond in which i uh we were on the stone cold bubble and I raised the eight, nine of clubs and uh, Dan O'Brien flatted out of the big blind, which I thought was a big mistake because he had uh, about 250,000 chips more than me. Uh, I think because it's a stone bubble, if he re raises, he he had ace King. If he re raises, he just, he's going to win it unless I had like aces or Kings. I mean, there's no way I'm going to play a, a big, there's, no hand I'm playing a big pot with him on the button I just think he's gotta re-raise me and I've told him this before and uh, he's just gotta re-raise me and pick up the uh, 75,000 chips that are out there but he didn't Um, the flop came down um, 10 jack with 2 clubs and he checked and I bet about half pot he called and the turn card came a queen and he checked and I bet three-quarter pot, and he put me all in, and I called in, he showed me ace-king, and I bricked the river, and I stone-bubbled it. I mean, the stone bubble of the five diamonds two years ago at the World Poker Tour. So that was another one that I was deep in that was kind of shocking that he turned over that hand. But those are all my runs and all my there's one, my WBT events that I really remember, uh, and I kind of analyzed pretty much all of them to you, what happened at the final table of all of them. And uh, like I said, the, the the one I finished ninth, 09, uh, uh, I never really had a chance. Um, the one I finished sixth at the Fox was after blowing that big mistake, 10-handed with the 10s, kind of crippled me going to the final table. I ended up going broke with ace-jack versus nines. I lost a flip to Jonathan Little and that's how I went broke there but anyways that's my WPT adventures and uh, I uh, bring all these WPT adventures up because we're about ready to bring on the king the man the man who was the voice of the WPT for 15 years my good friend mr. Mike Sexton the mouthpiece now it's my favorite part of the show where we take your phone calls here on The Mouthpiece. Welcome to The Mouthpiece. This is Mike. Who am I talking to? My name is Nick. Nick, what's going on, buddy?
1: How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Question for you, buddy. You got it. I was going through uh, some YouTube videos. I'm here working right now. Mike. And um, I remember you and uh, Sean Shikan got into a, <laughs> yeah. a, fun, a fun little moment at that World Series of Poker. Oh, that was great. Tell, tell, tell me about that moment when when uh when you thought he gave away the hand
0: well me and Sean are good friends and um we were we still are <laughs> don't worry about it we still are but um he um i had raised with like a i don't know like a seven deuce off seat. some dog shit hand i raised will <laughs> blow up will blow up and the guy called and Sean to folded and the flop came ace nine and he, he slammed his fist down so he gave away that he throw ace nine or at least an ace and uh so now I can't rep my hand I end up bluffing off a bunch of chips to the guy and uh uh I went crazy on Sean because he, he gave away my hand I mean if, yeah. if Sean had ace nine what's the ch- and the other guy has like a weak ace the chances are what I mean what's the other guy did I mean what the chances are I what am I going to rep you know and he fucked me up there and I went crazy yeah, um, yeah,
1: it was a great moment though, man. It was great it was great TV.
0: Um uh it was it was real good TV and it was it was legit TV. The thing is is back then, you know, TV was good. Um people like showed their emotion, talked a lot of shit, had fun and now it's like man it's like not even. It's not even fun to watch TV poker. It's like yeah,
1: you know what? That's what I was going to tell you. You made you 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 guys were like characters, and I grew up watching you guys. Right. And I appreciate all the antics, and I still go back and look at all those. And I. I, I I find nothing exciting about these hundred thousand dollar buy-ins. I, nothing. There's, there's nothing to them. There's no entertainment there's, value. There's nothing to even
0: watch. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Okay, first of all, in the real world, a ten thousand dollars is so much money to ninety nine ninety percent of the population of the world, if not more. Right. And right. what are they by making a hundred thousand buy-in? All they're doing is like spitting in the face of more people that don't have money, you know, and say, ah, look what I'm playing for. You know, it doesn't do any, it doesn't change the needle, you know, Right. it's not as much. And plus there's no not much authenticity in, you know, when you're playing for 10 grand or 5,000 buying, and where it's not really hurt you, it's, there's just more, there won't, there'll be more emotion, more, more people having more fun. And what they're doing is they're playing for these ridiculous amount of money with, and nobody, you know, when you're playing for that kind of money, you you can't talk, you can't do anything, you have to right, focus. Right, right. And all I think it's doing is hurting the game. But I don't think the high roller scene is going to last much longer anyways. It no, it I, know, I know it
1: won't. Well, um, not, not, not on TV at least. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it it's just, um, I, I don't. You know they 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 think more chips, bigger money, more more ratings, but it, it, it's not. It just it's just not.
1: And let me ask you one one more other question Go while ahead. I got you. Just a couple more minutes. Sure. Um, that one hand when you were on, on on GSN High Stakes Poker, you took down Negrano for like a huge.
0: A <laughs> Which, huge, one? huge Which one? Which <laughs> one? <game. laughs> we got killed on it. Every, the one. The every one when I had. Every, the one I had it, full, or the one where. Where I uh had I Ace it I King think of Clubs King's floor
1: or something, but I remembered he talked a little shit though. He goes, "Well, you you need something more than napkins to play, Mike." Yeah, and and you kind of looked at him and you gave him a look and, you know, that was kind of a needle. That was kind of a
0: a chief shot, right? Well, what was pretty funny. Was, oh well, we take you know, me and Daniel were friends. We used to take yeah. shots at each other all the time. It was all in good good faith. I mean, um, well, I thought it
1: was a time when maybe you maybe I mean, were broke and you didn't have any dough, and he was just kind of kind of giving it to you.
0: No, I mean, uh, it was. It was funny is like everybody at the table knew I had Kings full, except for Daniel. Um, I actually misplayed the hand by min raising him. Uh when he raised me and I min re raised him like an idiot. I gave my hand away. I'm like, What are you doing? But he still put all his chips in, uh like a hundred something thousand. And I go, Well what <laughs> He did that a lot he did funny. that a lot on <laughs> I go, What do you think I had? Right? He goes, Well, I don't know, Ace nine, Jack nine, I go, Well, don't those beat nine ten? you know? Yeah. And, and you uh, played like three hands and like 600. Yeah. Right, played like three hands. You know, I'm like the second biggest winner on high stakes poker. And yeah. uh, people are like, well, you ran really good or whatever. I go, no, I, I fucking never played a hand. And then I enter a hand and um, I get paid every time. I mean, people wonder why I play so tight. Well, I don't they They all were trying to outplay each other on TV to look good. I don't know why, but... So you think I mean,
1: it really changed the way people played
0: hands? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they're like, what'd they think? Like, I raise under the gun and five people call. If it comes 8, 9, 10, do you think I'm losing another quarter with two aces? I mean, right. I, I don't understand what their thought process is. And I always, I, I always kind of priced them out to call with small pairs, you know what I mean? Where they were, were if I, if I re raise I would re-raise real big to where... Yeah. You know, they were getting they weren't getting at least 9-1 on their money or whatever to call. So uh and that's why when I double doubled, I, I said, Well boys, it's nice playing with you, have a nice day and I took the four hundred thousand and quit. You know, and yeah, I doubled yeah, against was Daniel twice. And, I get a kick out of
1: watching those things. I oh, should watch those the,
0: even though I've watched them hundred times, man. Yeah. Still good still good
1: at good entertainment. No, man. they were just, great. They were great all the characters. You
0: know, Anyways, you know. good luck
1: this this year World Series of Poker, man. I hope you I, take one down.
0: I will. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Take Anytime, care. Man. Mike. Have, a, have a good
1: one, brother. You got it. Bye. Bye.
0: Welcome to the mouthpiece. This is Mike. Hey, how's it going, Mike?
1: This is John in Texas.
0: John, how's it going, buddy? Man, it's an honor. Oh, it's an honor for you, me to talk to you, man. What the hell?
2: I appreciate you know. that. So um,
0: what's going on? You have
1: any... I'm just
0: wondering if you saw that vet
1: the dude put on Tiger Woods winning his fifth. I, well, uh, Jack I haven't Woods seen it, but well.
0: Tiger Woods has no chance of winning the Masters. So, next. <laughs> I haven't he seen it. He put
2: bet. like 85000 down.
0: Man, that's like and, eighty-five, and he, and he could, 20, he could throw on bill. the street. He just. What's that? Tiger's not playing well right now, he's putting terribly. Um,. And it's really weird because he was putting so great last year, and he fixes other problems in his game. And for some reason, he's just putting bad right now. And I just—you can't. When you you got to be putting good going into the Masters to have a chance. But he might finish yeah. in the top ten; it's possible. But he can't win. But well, that's yeah. what I was thinking. He might finish up there, but I appreciate you calling. It was and, great talking and, to you, man. And we'll we'll uh, give me a call and uh, enjoy listening to my podcast. Thank you, buddy. Okay. I appreciate it. Bye. Sure. Bye. The Mouthpiece. If you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast at gmail.com. Also, follow me at The Mouth Matisseau on Twitter for times that our call-in segment will be live welcome back to the mouthpiece and now we're gonna start part two of my interview with party poker ambassador my man mike sexton so i got some questions that, that was right. uh, emailed in to me i've got three for you and i'm gonna start out with uh, this one it says, what is your best Stu Unger story that no one really knows about? How good at Texas Hold'em was, was he really, and do you think he would be competing against the best players at the highest levels today?
2: Well, I say it all the time, and I believe it with all my heart, mm-hmm. that if Stu Unger would have been around when the World Poker Tour started back in the early 2000s, I truly believe he'd not only been the biggest star on the tour, that whoever would have been second would have been so far distant second. It wouldn't even have been funny. Wow. Now people look at me like I'm crazy. Now I understand Stu was very aggressive back in the day when nobody else was aggressive. Right. So he took advantage of that. You know, now obviously as we know, everybody's hugely aggressive and his style wouldn't work against them, but he has such an uncanny instinct for cards and for feeling people out and for reading them that it was just spooky to watch in my opinion. Wow. And You know, people ask me all the time, you know, uh, the main event, the big event uh, of the year in the world, you know, at the World Series of Poker. But it doesn't compare to like it used to be back in the 80s and 90s and 70s, because back then you basically had one $10,000 tournament a year. Right. So when you got knocked out of that, you were in total depression because, you know, it'd be another year before you get to play one. (laughs) No shit. Now they got twenty five thousand, fifty thousand, ten thousand 10,000 every other week, every week somewhere. You can play something. Right. So it's not that depressing anymore when you get knocked out of the main event, because there's always something else to play a week later. Oh,
0: it's, it's still depressing. <laughs> it
2: makes a big difference from yesteryear to this year. Oh yeah. And my there's no comparison, in my opinion, in terms of depression being knocked out of the main event back in the old days as compared to today. But I right. uh, haven't said that. Uh, I just truly believe that if uh, uh, Stewie were around today. Uh, we'd see who the king of poker was. Uh, I like what Billy Baxter said. And when he sees all these kids now with all these money and they they all want to play sky high, he said, I just wish Drew was still with us. We'd find out who the best player was, he said. Yeah, I'm (laughs) going to... He puts two up against any of my I
0: problems. I, I'm going to have Billy Baxter on either next week or the week after. He's going to tell some real fun stories because he's uh, got, he's got the greatest nobody stories.
2: Nobody has better stories
0: than this guy. Nobody. They so in, uh, in the nobody. they're going to be uh, people uh, when they tune in. It's either going to be next week or the week after. I'm hoping yeah. next week. And they're going to hear some stories that they're just going to be yeah. put a real smile on their face because nobody got stories like him. I yeah, agree. trust
2: me, he's got them. But uh, my opinion is: too Hunger is I'm sure much higher than most, but I knew him better than most. Yeah, I know yeah. did. And yeah. I saw some things that he did that, uh, uh, you know, were just sort of scary to be, to watch. And, and, and truthfully, he played Jim Rummy twice as good as he played. No limit. Hold'em. Wasn't yeah. even close.
0: Yeah, and I know. You
2: know. Back, back in the old days when the poker room was at the dunes hotel where, uh, the Bellagio now sits and the poker room was there and Johnny most ran the poker room, uh, all the top poker players would play gin rummy before the poker game started. So there'd be like three tables. There'd be like four or five gin games going on at these tables. And and because uh, back in those days, the casino didn't run the poker room. They were rented out. Johnny Moss rented it, and then Stu, and then uh, Chip Reese took it over. But they just paid rent on the poker room, and they ran the room so you could play gin rummy. Nobody cared that what you did on the side and and turn over poker and all this. But anyway. Back in those days, every high-stakes poker player, every one of them, from Doyle Brunson to Danny Robinson to Chip Reese uh, to Amarillo Slim to Tommy Fisher to Billy Baxter, they were all phenomenal Gin Rummy players.
0: Yeah, I st- and I staked. And Stu under came to
2: town and played them all Gin Rummy, and he just mowed them down like they were just grass.
0: I staked and he um-
2: spotting them. He put them on three games at a time. He let them look at the bottom card on the deck, the bottom two cards on the deck. And finally, nobody would play him anymore. And then he had to start playing poker. And he had to start at the two and 400 level, which is where he started playing. But but I'm telling you, the way he mowed those guys down in Jim Rummy, and every one of them to a man would say, there's nobody humanly possible that can play this game better than he does.
0: You know, it's so funny you say that, because I staked Danny Robinson against a couple people back in 99 in Jim Rummy. And I didn't really know him. Everybody just told me how he was, you know, he was clean and he was off, you know, because I guess he used to be on a lot of drugs before he got cleaned up. And he's he's really sharp. And uh, you stake him, you couldn't lose. And I staked him twice; he won twenty six thousand once and twenty five thousand one time for me. And when you saying that Stu was so much better than him, I'm just like, wow! How, and I heard yeah. he was really but good.
2: You know, Danny's the one that taught me how to play poker. We both grew up in Dayton, Ohio, right? And he taught me how to play when I was thirteen years old. And he had a paper out, and then he gave it to me. And I'd get up every morning at 4 o'clock and deliver papers for a couple hours. And back in those days, you collected. You went out and collected from your customers on a Friday night. So I'd work all week. I'd go out and collect from my customers. I'd come back, and there'd be Danny shuffling cards in my back porch and beat mm-hmm. me out on my money that I made all week long. And he did it just week in and week out. And my mother wouldn't kick him out because everybody liked Danny. And uh, she said, you know, you can't play him. He's too good for you. He's too good for you. And then finally one week when I came in with my chin down on my chest and I lost my money again. She said, you know, if you're so goddamn stupid to work all week long and then play him and lose all your money, you don't deserve to have anybody. <laughs> and it was right at that point that I said, you know, maybe she's right. I better give him up a little while.
0: <laughs> somebody so, somebody named uh, Lee Adams from Indianapolis asked me to ask you if you still have family ties in Indianapolis because Caesars has a casino in Shelbyville. Are you aware of that?
2: Yeah, I was born in Shelbyville, Indiana, which is 30 miles south of Indianapolis and uh, my dad lived in Indianapolis for like 40 years and uh, he taught ballroom dance classes all over the state of Indiana and the little towns around Indiana and Bloomington and Seymour and and Muncie and all these towns and uh, but I my mother and my dad divorced when my brother and I were like four and five so we moved to Dayton Ohio with my mother and but we go back every summer and Christmas to see our dad and but that was my ties in Indiana that I was born there and lived there the first four or five years. But my dad and his second family, we remarried and had four more kids. Uh, they all grew up in Indianapolis. So, uh, we have ties in Indianapolis for sure.
0: Cool. And, uh, the last question from Mark K. He says, in my opinion, the WP airing on the travel channel, travel channel was actually responsible for the poker boom. Yes. Moneymaker was a great story, but the WPT aired week in and week out and created an excitement in a way It was telecast. It was a show that made players stars. I know the WPT led to my playing poker. Does Mike Sexton agree that the WPT played a larger role in the poker boom? And if not, does he at least agree that the WPT's first season was not given enough credit it deserved for the poker boom? No, I
2: 1,000% agree. 1,000%, and I tell everybody everywhere I go, it was the World Poker Tour and television that created the poker explosion. Right, uh, we we actually were on television a couple of months before Moneymaker won the main event of the World Series of Poker. I remember. And uh, if you can ask uh, uh, the people at uh, uh, Mesa, Malmoth, and uh, and Sklansky, guys that were selling books back then, they still are. <laughs> they started in the show, their books went off the shelves, right. but long before Moneymaker ever won his tournament, so they they can attest that it was television and the World Poker Tour that created the poker explosion. Now. Obviously, it was great that Moneymaker won, and we all love him, and uh, uh, we're ha- we're happy he came around, and th- that he won. And online poker was just kicking in right about that time as well. So it was a-, a combination of those three things. But truthfully, the main thing by far, television, the World Poker Tour, no question about it, was the primary reason for the explosion of poker.
0: Well, yeah, you know, I, I kind of agree with you. You know, I I tell the story of of the Moneymaker in oath. Three out. Me and Eric Seidel. We went. We were eating on break uh, at this little. Uh, I think it was ta- Taiwan food. And I'm like, Can you believe another goofball's going to win this tournament? And he goes, Mike. If this guy wins the main event, you're going to be richer than you'd ever imagine. Which I would have been, or I could have been, if I didn't. Well, we don't want to go back that way. But he was right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I mean, let me tell your listeners that, because a lot of them know you as the mouth, Matt and you're a big talker, and you're very opinionated, et cetera, et cetera. But I don't know that any of them really give you the credit on the green felt that you deserve. I mean, back in the 90s, we used to battle all the time. And back then, tournament players also played cash games.
0: We played mostly cash games.
2: Yeah, I mean, you played mostly cash games back in those days. And uh, uh, you just dominated the high-low split games and cash games back in those days. And, And people don't know that. And then you come around and... I think you won your first bracelet in '99? I saw it. And, right. Uh, uh, you know, but you because you had money from the cash games, you're the one that actually uh, put Scotty win in a satellite where he won the main event in 1998.
0: Yeah. I told him You got half
2: of that, and then you were sailing, and and uh, you actually had two good chances to win the main event yourself. I know back in '01, yeah, uh, where you finished in sixth place, you got bluffed out by Carlos Mortensen. in the tournament. And I knew he was bluffing too. <laughs> or you to, or you to win that tournament. I'm convinced of it. Yeah. And then, and uh, you were back again in '05 at the final table again. That's just incredible because the numbers were huge back in those days. Yeah. And people just don't realize nine and a half million dollars in tournament poker is pretty strong. And and uh, especially uh, you know, when I nobody knew how remember. to people, play. People don't give you the credit on the felt other than those old guys that, yeah. that were around when you came when you first started. So, well,
0: you know, I appreciate yeah. that, Mike. And you know, I I've had. You know, I've had five chances to win a World Poker Tour event, and I know, like when you, you guys are doing the announcing, that you guys have to try and not be partisan. But I, I know deep down that you and Vince were, were pulling for me every time, and your hearts fell as bad as mine yeah, fell. when the I time lost.
2: we were the same final table in San Jose yeah. and you knocked me out. The only the, the only
0: hand I of. won at that final table, by the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah.
2: And you outdrew me to win that
0: fight. Exactly. Matter of yeah. fact, it was like the only playable hand I had in like five hours, it was yeah. King Jack yeah. and you had yeah. King, King Queen.
2: Jack, I had King Queen and, and uh, Yeah and that's why I ended up going out six because of that. But, and I, but, uh, I was 200 big blinds no, I don't deep. No, I don't think you want another
0: pot. No, I never even that. had another playable hand. And that was when they were all raised, three-bet, four-bet. Every time it was raised, three-bet, four-bet, and I was in the big blind. I mean, these guys were three and four-bet and, like, I don't even, any two cards playing 200 big blinds deep, playing five-handed. It was crazy. But uh, I never, ever yeah. picked up a hand. But I found a way to never have a playable hand and st- and move up to third because <laughs> King Vivek had that's- like 4 million and I had like 200,000 King Vivek found a way to get like four, remember that, <laughs> but he's a hell of a player. Hey, gonna come. Uh,
2: hey look, I want a world poker tour event, so there's hope for everybody. That's what I tell everyone.
0: Absolutely. You know, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, uh, hopefully good things for you with party and, uh, and, uh, I'll keep calling you to put me on as a, Sponsor, you know, you know, keep calling Mike. All right, well, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to do some streaming for Party. So eventually, yeah, you'll, you'll as get you
2: know, it. Party Poker, of course, is mostly outside the U.S. Yep. Uh, yep. You know, and uh, it's unfortunate we don't have online poker back in the states. It's ridiculous. But, uh, uh, you know, Party Poker is just moving on globally and doing very well here. And,
0: you know, I'm gonna, uh, I'm this gonna
2: business has gone up, but they're really, they're really, really, really working right hard and have been on cleaning up the site with no HUDs and uh, no bogus accounts and all that for the good of the players. And our goal is to have the safest and most fair online site as possible. We're heading that direction. I believe it's going to happen. And the reputation and the appreciation from players now for what we're doing and improving the software as well as putting on these Party Poker Live events has just skyrocketed over the last couple of years. And I'm happy to see it, that Party Poker is really Taking a nice uh, upward trend here at the moment.
0: So are you nice. guys? Because uh, I don't really know much about the online poker scene. Because I just since after the full tilt, I've really haven't. I've never. I haven't been outside the United States or played any. But are you guys satelliting a lot of people in these party poker live tournaments?
2: Yes, we are. Yeah, that's... Yes, we are. And obviously, the primary reason for the party poker live tour, and they put out these mammoth guarantees that nobody else in the world puts out except the Million Stewer. Mm-hmm. where you guarantee $5 million or $10 million in poker tournaments. Nobody mm-hmm. does that. Right. The Party Poker Live has done it, and it's worked out well. We've missed a few hundred guarantees. we missed it by $600,000 in, okay. in South America, but that was just not the right climate to put that kind of guarantee on. But, but even mm-hmm. with that, hopefully business will grow where we'll make up for it, and that's the yeah. purpose of having these live events. But because players can go onto PartyPoker.com and win packages – to the Caribbean or to Montreal or some of these beautiful places that we go to to play these tournaments and do it for just 50 bucks, a hundred bucks, uh, where you literally get a chance to play for millions. It brings a lot of players to the site, uh, because still the dream of most people is to take a little bit of tiny money as, uh, Amarillo Slim said, uh, to turn a toothpick into a lumber yard and everybody wants the big score and, uh, you dream about it. And that's what keeps people playing. And, uh, Fortunately, Party Poker qualifies a lot of players for a lot of events now, and that's the way to go if you can't afford to uh, to pay for travel and the fees when you get there. And most people can't do that. So you do have to win online packages, and uh, it can be done. And uh, uh, the – the player base is growing because of that and that's a good
0: thing. Yeah, and what people don't understand too, and I'm glad you brought that up, is when we started this whole thing from television poker, from the beginning of the World Poker Tour to where it is to now, it was always we gotta satellite people in. We want to give, you know, it wasn't about, let's see what pro can play, the next best pro who can play the next best. It was always, let's get 500 people satellite it into a tournament and uh, give all the pros, you know, the better chance to, to, to make money or give the satellite person like a money maker or people on your site that when, when a, that turn a hundred into a $10,000 package or whatever, the chance to turn, uh, like you said, a toothpick into a lumber yard. And that's what the dream is yeah. all about. And it seems like a lot of these casinos in in United States and all over have gotten away from where it from, from these satellites. I mean, I don't understand why they don't run satellites year round. Like everybody on a Saturday, hundred dollar buy-in guaranteed one $10,000 seat, or if it's a $5,000 guaranteed two and they do it every week for the whole year. Now we got 500 people that have satellited in and then we're not playing, you know, 400 Person. No, it's so true, and uh, yeah. I look back
2: on the days, in the early days, back at the World Series of Poker, mm-hmm. every night they'd have a $200 super satellite, $200. I remember. And you, win, and you win satellite seats, and they'd give out 10, 20 seats a night. That's how many people played these $200 buy-ins to win a seat at the World Series of Poker. In fact, the first five years I played in I won a $200 satellite to get in. 1991 was the first time I ever played in the main event, right. and I cashed in the event. In fact, I cashed four of those five years, believe it or not. It is amazing when I look back on it now, but in 1991, uh, I got all the way to the 24th. It paid 36 places, and I finished 24th and only got back 9,200. I didn't get back my buy-in, but what, uh, because I got in on a $200 satellite, it made 9K, and I was broke. And I was very excited to be in the money, and I was happy. But uh, I what, look at the payouts back then, <laughs> and I think well, players would go crazy now if they saw these
0: payouts back I then. I got uh, I got sixth yeah. in 01. And now you can finish like 40th and get a quarter million. I was looking up payouts last year. Yeah. It's like crazy. Yeah, ben, in
2: 1991, that event to give you an idea, how crazy it is, uh, Robert Turner that we know so well, then yeah. he's 10th in that tournament in the main event. He Chip burner 11, turner right? 11,500. You're talking about 11, Robert Chip, Chip Burner turner 11,500. The winner by Brad Doherty got one million.
0: Oh, yeah, I it's remember. There's
2: almost 100 times the difference between 10th and 1st, and as you know... It's like one hand difference in that spot most yeah. of the time,
3: yeah. you know.
2: And uh, uh, but it was crazy payouts back then. But uh, uh, you know, when I first started playing tournament poker at Amarillo Slim tournament, we used to go to Lake Tahoe, and and uh, he'd have his am- and back in the '80s, he only paid three places: first, right. second, third. Sixty percent, thirty percent, ten percent. Finally, after a couple of years, the player sort of kept getting on him, and he finally expanded his payouts. But he never did want to expand it. They just wanted to pay three places. That was the first cash I ever had, incidentally. But, but uh, you know, I, I will say now, at least on the million store that we're involved with, if you cash, you get double the buying at least. So right. that, that's a good thing.
0: And you know, I I I really wish there was a. L- I, I understand like the the main event at the World Series flattening the payout because there's so much money involved, and I think it's good in that event, yes, but but the 15% and all these other events and, and the, and the 15% in the 10 K mixed game events that have a hundred people. I, I just, I just 10% is enough. You know, I, I just, I don't think they should, but they're we know why that they're taking 15, percent. they want, they want more people to cash to more people to play another tournament. And, you know, it's a business and everything. Well, yeah. but, no,
2: but, from a business point of view, they're doing a thousand percent the right thing.
0: Yeah. But for the poker economy, I, argue you, with I, yeah,
2: I tell you the truth. I expand the payouts just like they do. You know t- as well as good as me. Every time somebody cashes at the World Series, that either comes in from out of town or sort of a rec player, they're gonna play at least two more events
0: now. Absolutely, you know, the money's
2: going back into action. So
0: no, I it's agree. Good that
2: they cash. People are happy cashing, and uh, I, I think it's good. And and usually the payouts are so big at the World Series that uh, uh, you know you don't need to give a guy an extra fifty thousand if he's already making two fifty or three hundred. Right, uh, And it's good to spread it out. I think they're doing the right thing in that regard at the world series of poker for sure.
0: Well, in the main event. Yeah. I just, I just think in some of the small, in like the, just, I just would, since most of the 10 K mix are, are, uh, you know, all the pros, I, I just would like this 10%. I'd be, it, I I don't think we need to pay 15%, but you know, I, I want to be in a spot where, you know, if you make a score, you make money and, uh, all, except for like the main event at the World Series, I, I I just don't. I mean, as a business yeah. point, I understand it, but as for a poke, the poker economy, I just no. we can't choke the poker no. economy if we're not getting the satellite winners in uh, from different tours or different. Then then we need to get get money in somewhere, and that's really kind of my. Yeah, I mean, most it. poker players, you know,
2: obviously a lot of them play because of the bracelet, but in truth. Most poker players play a tournament to make a score so they don't have to grind as much. Correct. If you win 300, 500,000, one of those million dollar scores, I mean, your whole life changes. And that's Correct. what people play tournaments for, is to make the big score so you don't have to grind out all your life and, and you can take it, get on easy street just a little bit, you know? And, and, mm. uh, yeah, and did, it does wish... make a difference. And, and believe me, you know, I know the frustration of tournament poker better than anybody in the world. I know how tough it is to take the bad beats yeah, and even play perfect. Whether you make a mistake, where you chastise yourself, or you get a bad oh. beat, when you get knocked out, it doesn't matter. You're depressed, yeah, and, it's and sad. And e- even if you get those second, all bad beats put together, one win makes up for all. That I can tell you. No, it, it does.
0: It, it, it does. I I tell people all the time, I, and I don't play tournament poker anymore because full time I play the World Series and I I play a couple other events because I I'm really against the reentry. I think that tournament poker. Yeah, I, but you've with, always
2: been against it. and I admire you for that. And, and if I don't know. Over, I'm like you. It should be equal for everybody. I don't care if you've spent your last time to get in the tournament or you're a billionaire. Everybody should have an equal opportunity to win. And Thank they you. don't when it's a rebuy tournament.
0: Thank period. you. And that's what I've been preaching for to everybody. For the for the good of poker, for the for the, the for poker to last, you have to bring in the, the 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 people that just play for fun the people that win satellites they want it to be equal they don't want you them to have to start at noon and other people buy in on day two with 40 big blinds when they put a whole other day and i just i just think the reentries should be gone and and well except for the world series because there's so many events that could buy buying in six levels is enough but like other tournaments around the globe you know if if, if you don't buy in by if it starts at noon. You're not there by one. You don't get in the tournament. And I promise you, you've been there. You've seen it. They all will show up.
2: That's the way it used to be at the World Series of Poker.
0: Yeah, if you weren't there
2: by noon on the first starting day, you didn't get in the tournament. Period. Nope. I... And everybody was there, just like you said. Everybody every time was you there. You put on them to be there, to be in. They'll be there. Doesn't matter what time
0: it is. And it's something with uh my podcast I'm gonna really stress a lot about. keeping the playing field equal for the guy that wins a satellite or the businessman that just wants to enjoy one tournament a year. You can't put it where there's re entries and you gotta knock out Dustin Bonimo well, ten times or Daniel five times or it just you can't. No, it's I agree. Bad. Knocking those yeah. guys out
2: all those times are tough, but if you were running the World Series and when guys are going out and paying the entry fees again to get back in again and the prize pools are bigger and it looks better for the bottom line. When you're giving out an a 800,000 prize first prize instead of 500, uh, you know, it, it makes a difference. And, and I see both sides of the fence. I really do. I see the business side, makes so much more money, but I also realize that, you know, braces are to be coveted and they should be on an equal basis. And everybody should have a fair chance to get one. And in all the rebuy tournaments,
0: they don't have a fair chance. You remember when the
2: if you I, only got one bullet, you don't have a fair
0: chance. I actually won the last rebuy tournament they had in 2008, the Deuce to Seven No Limit, uh, where I was in for one bullet and everybody else was in like a hundred thousand. I won five hundred eighty-six thousand, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. I remember that was them, a
2: five K buy in. Five K for the first time. Right, and. and they which I think they'd have a bigger price pool if they went back to a five K.
0: Well they, that's yeah. the that's the only one I really believe it should go unlimited re entries the first four levels yeah. like the, for five K. Right. And that one it's just because that was that, that tournament is meant to have a, a rebuy. It just is. I don't I don't know how to explain it. It just is, but the rest yeah, of them well, really aren't. It know.
2: certainly is and you know, that event, honestly, was almost on equal par to the main event of the World Series right back in the seventies, the 10 K deuce to seven. It's the only other event that was a 10 K buy-in for years and years and years. And people don't realize, I mean, think about it. The world series started in 69 and 1970 at Binion's in Las Vegas in 1970. And it was a 10,000 buy-in for the main event. It's still a 10,000 buy-in, but they didn't have a bigger buy-in at the world series of poker until 2006 when they put in the fifty thousand dollar players championship. Correct. That's the first time they had a buy-in over ten thousand in all those years. Right. And now they get million dollar buy-ins, hundred thousands, fifty thousands. They got them all now. But back then, and for many many years, it was only ten k was the biggest. It was the deuce of seven and the main event. That was
0: it. Yeah, I told people there was um, what like when I first my first no limit tournament I played in ninety nine. Was a thirty? They had two no limit tournaments. They had the thirty five hundred and the ten k, and that was it. There was two, like from when I first started till maybe. And you two, won the 3500,
2: thirty five hundred. I did the
0: first. It was the first no limit tournament I, I ever played. Yeah. You know, and but I I spent years studying before I decided to jump in that event. And uh, the guy that gave me all the chips, I I said this story many times. At that final table, ended up winning the. World Series that year, Noel Furlong, the Irishman, and he was really aggressive. Ah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It, it was kind they of interesting. They
2: think Hanson and uh, uh, Ms. Rocky and Phil Ivy and Stu Unger, they think those guys are aggressive. Let me tell you, they can't shine shoes of Noel Furlong.
0: Nobody. Uh, <laughs> that guy was. He made me look and, crazy, and I was super aggressive. And
2: here's a, here's a trivia question for your listeners. Who was the last person in the world to win the main event of the World Series of Poker that was over 40 years old?
0: that's a good question probably uh no furlong
2: <laughs> and the answer is no
3: furlong
0: there you go
2: <laughs> you have to go back 20 years to find somebody over 40 years old that's one of the main events so if people don't think playing seven eight nine ten days in a row is strong it's, yeah uh just look at the young they're the ones that are getting there
0: well that's what i i said on my uh broadcast the other uh, last week is i'd like to see it go like like uh, when I had Matt Savage on for interviewing, I was saying, I'd love to see the main event start noon till 8.30 and no dinner break and just do that. I'd rather see that for 10 days than for 8 days. Plus, it's just the dealers don't have to kill themselves as much and I just don't want to see it in an endurance contest. If it, it no, I want to see it. I'd love
2: to, I'd love to see it too. Obviously, we know old people would like to see it, but uh, uh, I'd like to see it myself, but you're gonna to have to take out some lemons if you did that, and some levels. That'll that'll piss off a lot of people if you take out levels of the main event. I'm not so, I'd so sure. Go, I'd look for it.
0: You might you might have to just add uh two uh, maybe three extra days, but nobody but everybody be getting off early, so they wouldn't mind working the extra days. And it's 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 really the same. The only difference is it's, it's it's it'll be easier on the dealers, easier on the floor staff, easier on everything. Really, I I I don't. Uh, but a couple of years ago, a 59-year-old and a 74-year-old got to the final table. So
2: that gives us hope, Mikey. It was it about gives, five years ago for a period of about six years. I bet all the young guys, they led me 10 to 1 and nobody over 40 won the main event. And right. I bet it every year for about six years in a row. I know. And they stopped betting me in about 2012 or 13 because <laughs> that's when the online poker wasn't going on anymore in America here. Right. And because of that, they didn't think the young gurus would be coming around anymore. And the old guys would catch up, so to speak. And, and they quit betting me even though I'd have still lost every bet, but anybody out there wants to lay me 10 to one, I'm still betting on the old geezers over 40. So please give me a call.
0: I don't blame you. All right, Mike. Well, this has been an awesome, awesome interview. I, I really glad you called in and my show and I, you know, I'm glad we've, uh, We've been great friends over the years and you've been a great ambassador for poker and you know how hard, how much I care about poker. People don't know about how much I, I care about poker. And I just, when I say these things about, you know, what's equaling out the playing field and make it, it's not for me personally. It's, I want to see what's best for the last of, for poker to last, I don't want to see everybody get like all the everybody make all this money and then there's no money in the poker economy. And I, 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 I really want to see that where everybody is it's equal playing field and for the best whatever's best for the for poker, you know.
2: Yeah. No, we need to grow the game continually, always, obviously, and uh, that's the goal of everybody. It should be the goal of every poker pro. It should be the goal of every casino of every poker room, uh, because uh, for everybody to continue to make a living. And, and play poker for a living, uh, we need new players that come into the game. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's always a, a decrease in players because they either go broke or they find something else to do. So you always have to find new players uh, to continue to grow the game and uh, obviously making games friendly and fun yep. to play in. Make and, poker uh, fun again. That's my... tournaments, All these things we believe.
0: Would it would make poker better? That's all. Yeah, that's what I, I try. Especially on like day one of an event, where you know it's it's you're with the stacks so deep now. You could the first two three levels. You could I try and really have fun with with the uh, recreational players and make them feel happy. And and this is where you know Daniel was talking about it on Twitter the other days. Is, is you got to make people. Happy at the poker table because if not, they're just not going to come back. They don't. They just don't want to play with pros with their headsets on, and their sunglasses, and their headphones, and
2: yeah. they just don't. And business people don't need it. Yeah, they, they have don't. Money.
0: They have plenty they don't of
2: money need to play poker. They play for recreation to enjoy the social atmosphere of the game and they have fun playing. Right. And if they lose but have a good time, they're coming back tomorrow. Right. Whereas if they lose and don't have a good time, they might not come back tomorrow. It's so, It's
3: yeah it's just
2: simple you know it's just uh poker one to me i mean it's just so simple it, it, for everybody it, to understand but uh some it people is
0: don't. and when when that person comes in and he loses all his chips and people start saying oh, oh what a fish i'm like man i wish i was that fish because that fish has a lot more money than you or me or anybody else is gonna have and they they just don't get it so you know you got to treat them you know with respect you got to make them always feel like they're welcome at the table. You always, if they make a bad play and they ask you about, what should I have done something different? You, you, you don't tell them everything, but you oh. say, well, maybe you could have done yep. this or that. And you make them feel yeah. happy, and that's what I try and do at least. So
3: Correct.
2: I mean, you know, you've always been good at it. We are. And, you know, we're smart enough guys, and most people should be, but some aren't, that if you get a live one in the game, so to speak, and he loses all his money, and before he gets out of the poker room, the game breaks up. I mean, you got to let the guy go, you know, you can't, you
0: can't. It's one of my biggest pet peeves when people do that. There's just
2: certain things that you just don't do. You don't criticize how a guy plays a hand, whether he wins a pot or loses it. Uh, You don't criticize him, how he plays. You're nice to him. You make him have fun. There's just certain things that you should never, ever, ever do. Whether you're a pro or a recreational player, it doesn't matter. If you want this guy coming back, you should, you should learn how to treat him properly in my Uh, opinion.
0: Back, like when I was young and back in the day, you know, I used to, i used to you know say a lot of shit talk a lot of shit because you know there wasn't that many good players so it really didn't matter but now there's so many good players i just what i just keep my mouth shut and helmius tells me i need to go back to talking a lot more shit than i do i'm too nice now and i gotta go back to being a little bit more like the old mike the mouth and i'm like "Eh, i don't know if i can it's just not in me anymore i don't know
2: well i don't know either but i know that this interview has been very nice and very calm. And uh, I was expecting questions that would blow me out of the water here, maybe. And uh, well, you know, on, on the I, cusp of things, like what do you think of this? What do you think of that? What about the awards? Who do you think the best player? In all of this, but I appreciate it. It's been a, it, it's been great. I have thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'll come on your show anytime, Mike. That's for sure because uh, uh, you're an old school guy. You're a guy that had plenty of money. That's a great player. That went broke again. That's going to get back on top again, and uh you know i i appreciate guys that have been up at the top of the mountain and gone back down and, and get humble again and uh, oh. <laughs> uh recognize their mistakes and hopefully
0: Absolutely. don't make them again uh, i won't make them again once i once I, I'll, I'll get back on top and i won't make them again and and it's good that people listen to this show and they'll learn uh hopefully that the young of the kids that got some money right now they're they're listening to the podcast so they'll, they'll understand that uh not to make the yeah. mistakes that me and you have made and and we've learned no, from them no, and no. we're and we're no, moving my forward. My
2: advice is you make a score, put some away that you can't touch, pay your taxes and don't gamble it off. That's my advice to everybody.
0: Yeah. And and
2: when I know. They, but when you know how you are when you're young you think you know everything and you think it's easy to make these million dollar scores but <laughs> as they as they stay around longer, they're going
0: to realize that it's not so easy. That, I used to tell everybody, people who say, Mike, what do you do with all the money you, pl- you make in poker? I say, play higher. What do you think I do? I wish, I, I mean, I, t- I take it back now. I was like, play higher or bet sports higher? Or bet more. Yeah. yeah but awesome. uh, yeah. I mean, that was my answer. I swear to God. I was like, well, what do you mean? What do I do? I just pay- play higher. <laughs> so, uh, but, you know, now it's, uh, I, 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 Listen, I, I made a lot of mistakes, and I, I really have been humbled. And the injury really humbled me a lot. And uh, so now I, I, I'm I going to come back, and I'll be all right. But, Mike, all thank right, you great. so much. Well, man. if we don't
2: see it, the millions uh, in North America in Canada will take place May 5th to 17th. Or, excuse me, May 16th to 27th at the Playground Poker Club in Montreal. If you've never been up there, folks, you need to get up there. They run a poker room better than anybody I've ever seen. I can tell yeah, you I've, ne- I've never been to world. that
0: tournament. So Top
2: to bottom, best dealers in the world, and obviously the main event, the $5 million guaranteed prize pool. So, And there are a lot of satellite winners that play that tournament. So if that's what you're looking for, take a trip to Montreal in May before the World Series. It'll give you a nice warm-up where you can chop out a million before the World Series comes up.
0: Shit, you chop out a million, you might, you might not go to the World Series. The Mouthpiece. I hope you enjoyed The Mouthpiece this week. Tune in next week for episode four of The Mouthpiece. The
3: Mouthpiece.